Yes, folks, we're running a bit behind today. I'm Fred McMurray. It's 2 p.m. Pacific, if I remember correctly. It's Thursday, which means this has to be... Hello, Kristen. Hey, happy Friday Eve, and welcome to the first franchise game. Oh my gosh, is it already like approaching mid-May? I think it is. Uh, unbelievable how quickly this year is traveling for us. I want to welcome David back to the show today. He's here to give us an update on the joint, his newest adventure. We've got a very special guest today talking about a new concept. It's very cool. We've got Karen with us today and, of course, uh, Ray. We want to make sure that everybody has their information to call in. You can also chat online if you'd like. Our call-in number for everyone is 323-580-5755. And we'd like to say hello to Jerry and Elizabeth and Laura, who are not with us today. Uh, but we're thinking about you, and I'm sure you're listening to make sure we don't make any mistakes. So with that, let's get on with the show. Where is my Ray? There he is. <laughs> well, we have an exciting guest today, and I, I think this is really interesting concept. But with us today is Jaya Ayer, and she is the founder and CEO of Critif, an innovative, technologically-centered art studio brand for kids and adults. She's envisioned this novel idea and has worked on it from the concept to reality. With this talented mastermind and hardworking woman at its helm, Creative has established a unique identity in the family entertainment segment. By integrating art with technology, Creative offers an exceptional, family-friendly, immersive art experience that has revolutionized the art studio space. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Hey, Jay, so I understand that you had um, some engineering and project management background that kind of helped, in this case, redefine the concept of art studios and made them a little more relevant and current. Can you tell us a little bit about whole, the whole franchising program and things that you guys started? Yeah, so our concept, I mean, I launched this concept in late 2018. My previous background was in technology. That's what I went to school for. Mm -hmm. But I grew up in a very art-centric family. My mom was a classical dancer. She loved art. So that's how I got exposed to art. I don't have formal education in art, but I always was drawn towards that as a way to de-stress with our busy corporate lives. And um, so, so that's how I got the inspiration uh, to start an art studio and when you become a mom and you have kids then your perspective towards things change and um, that's when I started thinking that I wanted more for my family for myself um, and that's how I started working on bringing this whole vision to fruition in the form of our um, concept store in Pleasanton first and then last year we started franchising. Are you in Pleasanton, California? 
Correct, in Pleasanton, California. Oh, that's right down from where I grew up. That's awesome. I'll have to check that out next time I go. And it looks like you have, um, in the background is one of your studios, if I recall from the website, right? This, yes, this is our flagship studio in Pleasanton, California. So this is how it looks like. And it's an award-winning design. It got us a lot of international attention among some of the really big brands that we all have heard of, the Hershey's Chocolate Factory, L'Occitane, um, Whole Foods Concept Stores, some of the really big um, modern restaurants. So we got recognized for our unique um, studio design. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about how this model works, because it's family friendly. You can do art for adults and for kids. Can you kind of explain what is the avatar of the client that comes in or the customer that comes in? Do they book parties? Do they come in kind of off the cuff? How does that work? So everybody is our client, and that's how our demographic is defined. Anybody to and up can come and experience art with us. And that was important for me because when I was looking at what else is out there and kind of putting my business concept together, I realized that in the last several years, art studios have become more adult-centric with our paint and sip model having taken off. Um, and then the traditional art places that still cater to kids are in the form of either an art class or the ceramic pottery places that we all know of. So I really wanted it all to come together for all of us to be able to come into one space not have to worry about, is it just for kids, just for adults? So we put a lot of different um, offerings together. So we do birthday parties. We offer DIY walk-in sessions, which are very similar to a pottery place if you've been there before, but we're different because you don't do pottery alone. You do canvas, you do rocks, you do unfinished wood items. So there's just a lot of variety that we're trying to offer to meet the needs of the, the varying demographic. Um, and then we with the paint and zip concept becoming popular, we do those classes as well, but we have teenagers attending those classes. We do summer camps, we sell paint kits, so we have eight different revenue streams. Awesome, so was, was your concept open during the pandemic? It, it was, and we were in California, which was the first to shut down and the last to reopen, so <laughs> it did impact us, but we pivoted and moved everything to a virtual model quickly, and now that's an added revenue stream for us. Um, Pre-COVID, we were so busy, we would get booked out three months in advance for some of our events. Uh -huh. But with the virtual offering, now we're able to get to more customers by being able to do Zoom classes and corporate events via Zoom. That's I'm, awesome. I'm curious, how are you integrating technology and art? How, is, how does that match? I mean, they seem to be somewhat separate. So there are two ways we integrate art with technology. From the customer's perspective, we have our own app called the ArtPad app. It runs on iPads. So if you come in as a customer, you get access to video tutorials, guided images. There are varying, um, I mean, a lot of creative ideas in that app that you get to use. And we change it by the season. There are new things that keep getting added every time. Um, so that's what our customers use when they come in. But then we also have our proprietary studio management software mm -hmm. um, that we have put together for our franchisee partners to be able to manage their studio operations efficiently. So do they create their art online or they, do they create it on a campus? So what we have done is blended the use of technology into a studio art environment. So it's not digital art. We're using the ArtPad as a tool to actually use our paintbrushes and canvases and paint like uh -huh. in an actual studio environment. So 
kids don't understand that they're not using the gadget as a tool to watch a video or learn mm-hmm. alone. They're, they're actually taking a physical piece of artwork with them at mm-hmm. the end of their session. Oh, wow. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. And now tell me a little bit, obviously, so you, you have a unique situation because this is, you're the founder, right? So how did you go about determining what you wanted your brand to be? Because building a brand is really important to kind of sustaining it and making it really matter when you formulate what it's going to be. How did you go about that? So my my focus was always to not have a one studio unit. So everything that I thought about was keeping repeatability in mind and to make sure that the processes and systems were not dependent on me, because if that's how I built it, then I wouldn't be able to go to units two, three, four, and hundreds and and bigger numbers. So um, when I was looking at doing my analysis of building a concept or a brand, um, there were some elements that I kept in mind. One was how would it stand out? What are some of the things that would make us be different from everything that's that's out there? Mm-hmm. So that's what we thought about that app that we put together. We thought about our studio design. It had to look and feel like a fresh concept, not like something that we have seen there before. Um, right. And with that repeatability and the technology being the platform by which we're able to replicate everything that we do here at every other location is how we have envisioned the brand to be consistent across the board and for people to think it's when they walk into a studio, they know it's creative. That's awesome. Last week we had women in franchising on, and I'd like to ask you, because again, you founded this company. How do you think being a mom has helped you create something like this? And really, you you talk a lot about, you know, creating something that you could repeat time and time again. What do you think, helped you by being a mom first before a business owner or founder? I think it helped me understand the perspective from my kid customer base. Uh, Being a mom helped me understand. Both of my kids have very different personalities. My daughter is very artsy. And for my son, he requires a little more motivation. So keeping them as my test beds, it helped me understand how I can get a kid who's shy Uh, what kind of program would support them versus someone who's a little more advanced, what kind of offerings would help them. And then a lot of my friends, they are not artistic. They've never tried art before. So using the people I know helped me understand what kind of things we should offer at our location that would attract people from varying skill levels, varying age groups and demographics. That's awesome. That's awesome. So how many uh, franchises do you have right now? So we just opened our first franchisee location in South Carolina. So we went from West Coast to East Coast. Uh, I was there last weekend for their grand opening. Uh, So we launched that location. We have another one coming up in Southern California, um, in the San Bernardino County. We're targeting Texas, Georgia, Florida. We have a lot of interest from across the country. Um, So you'll see creative locations coming up to where you are pretty soon. That's awesome. So let's talk about who your ideal candidate is, because a lot of our listeners listen to the show because they're interested in buying franchises. So I'd like to hear a little bit about who's your ideal candidate and what do you do as a franchisor now, or what do you plan to do to support that? So a lot of people ask me, do I need to have an art background? And I say, no, you don't, because I don't have an art background. So what we, what we tell them is our, our business model is set to support and train 
a franchisee who's not artistic. Um, our art pad app takes care of a lot of it when it comes to a DIY walk-in session. You don't need an art instructor on staff at all times. And that's also a training tool that we use for our franchisees and their team members to get comfortable with teaching certain classes and sessions. Uh, but as a franchisor, it goes much beyond than just the art component. It's about teaching them how to run the operations. So we have a very comprehensive operations manual that we have put together. Our training program is extensive. We do online component of training. Then we bring people on site and train with us as our team members working in our location where they get to interact with a real customer and they get to learn in that real studio environment. Um, and then when it comes to site selection, to the studio build out, we have partnerships that we have established with furniture fixture vendors, with suppliers for wholesale pricing. So when a franchisee comes on board, they get access to all of that system and process that we have put together and we guide them through that process to opening and then support beyond that. Okay, awesome. That sounds great. And, and what do you uh, what are you looking for uh, for the prospect as far as monetar uh, monetarily? So our initial investment is from 184 to 308 um, k. That's to open a brick and mortar location, approximately 1600. Mm -hmm. And of course, then there there are royalties that which is seven percent, and we have a a one percent brand fund that everybody contributes towards. Um, and those numbers are available on our FDD. Um, and we also have item 19 that we have put on the FDD where we have disclosed what our corporate unit has done in 2019, um, 2020, and even up until 2021. Um, so if someone's interested, we, we, we kind of start them with having those conversations and guiding them through educating them on our brand. Do you see this being a brand for somebody who wants to be a multi-unit operator or somebody who really wants to work in the business um, a little more closely and kind of build more of a community around each location? So it is a very community-driven business. So I'm definitely not looking for people who want to be using this as a passive investment strategy. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm looking for owners who can at least dedicate some time mm -hmm. in growing the business at the location they are. Um, we do allow multi-unit. We have a three-pack offering, and in that case, they can bring on a manager um, and train them, um, and they, we will have them come on site and train with us as well. Um, but I do want the, the owner to be committed to at least getting it up and running as far as the first year of operations to be there to make sure the brand is where it needs to be and the location is where it needs to be. Um, sure. As far as the skill, I know you asked that earlier. It's not just art. I think somebody who has that community-driven, outgoing attitude would do really well. Um, mm -hmm. If you are a community leader, this is this is the brand for you. A lot of people shy away from emerging brands, and I'm not. I, I don't necessarily do that. But from a franchisor perspective, can you share with our listeners what you think is so great about investing in your emerging brand? Yes, and I would say because we're not set up like an emerging brand. I mean, I don't know how many emerging brands you've come across who have thought through all the things that you only hear bigger brands talk about when it comes to specifically the technology, the partnerships, uh, the pricing model, uh, the revenue streams. I mean, we have given it a lot of thought from the time we started this business. It's not an afterthought for us. We always wanted to expand and grow. 
So we don't think like an emerging brand. We're not like any other emerging brand. So when someone asks me, oh, you're new, I always tell them we're new, but every company starts new mm-hmm. as, as that company would start from a unit and two units and adds on. Right. So we already have the systems and processes in place to go there quickly and support our franchisee partners in that journey. That's awesome. Is, is there anything else that you feel is important for people to know about Creative? I think what I would say as a past, I mean, as, as a closing comment would be that this is a brand that does not require a specific type of demographic to be successful. It's a brand that works in every location where we have people, families, um, family-friendly community, um, because it caters to, to all ages and sure. all demographics and all skill levels and all interest levels. So it's, it's a social destination is how I, I envision our brand. It's not just coming in and doing art. It's a place where you meet, make friends, build memories and relationships and want to come back again and again because it's sure. that awesome place. Um, you, that you, you have do. ways to take this to, say, a Cub Scout troop or out to a school. Do you have ways to do that? I know you've got some virtual stuff. Um, have you thought through that at all? So, yes, we partner with um, other um, schools and, and community organizations. We also bring them to our location. We go out to them. So we okay. have all those partnership opportunities available um, when it comes to working with the school community or with other businesses. We've also done events with other businesses and, and their locations. Excellent. Well, obviously, you are somebody who has to have strong leadership and vision. So mm-hmm. just quickly, can you tell me what you see for your organization for Creative in the next five to 10 years? We're not even thinking hundreds. We're thinking thousands and going international. That's where we want to be. We're not thinking small. Uh-huh. Uh, we want to be strong within the North America, uh, I mean, within U.S., Canada. So we're focusing on North America right now. But our goal is to go to Europe and Asia. We're already getting a lot of international interest, but we're kind of taking it one step at a time and making sure that we're, we're building a strong foundation um, with the first few franchisees that we bring on board and then build off of that. Awesome. Awesome. Grace, you got any more questions? Uh, not really, but I think this is such a unique concept that, uh, it, it, you know, it's it's really intriguing. Uh, and I think, uh, yeah. Jaya, it, this is going to take off. It really is. I mean, I I don't see a downside on something like this. I mean, uh, uh, the type of people you're looking for, uh, you know, don't have to be artistic. They just have to be yeah. somewhat entrepreneurial in, in that in that respect. And and basically, I want to help people, want to see people succeed in, 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 in having fun. Yeah, I, I immediately, when I went online to createeach.com, I was amazed at the really great website you have. And just looking at the stores, and even obviously now in your background, um, the stores are so cool. They're so modern, and they really just kind of grab your attention. And you makes you want to start doing art and creative things. So um, again, check out creativeheat.com. Jaya, I really appreciate you being on the show and I'd love to have you back in a few months and see kind of where you guys are in your growth. Oh, absolutely. And um, we will obviously have all kinds of ways for people to find you, but can you tell our listeners today, what is the get in touch with you or someone on your development team? Yeah, so the best way is to go on our website um, and then uh, fill in your interest and someone will definitely be in touch with you. Um, As we move uh, people through the franchising process and identify that they're a great fit, I always take the time to 
speak with them and meet them in person during our discovery day. So um, I really look forward to the opportunity of getting to meet um, some great, great folks through this process. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. And again, Jaya Iyer, it's so nice to have you on with Gracie. And uh, if anybody needs help in learning more information, all of her information will be on our website at pillarsoffranchising.com, as well as in the credits of this show. And you can always call in or write in through our website to get additional help in finding the perfect franchise. And now it's time to pay the bills. Thank you for having me. Hey, franchise owners. How about your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine.com. Well, hi, Karen. Hello, Kristen. How are you? I'm good. It's it's been a busy busy week, busy few months. It's great, right? Yeah, I, it's it's a little bit crazy. And we went from last week in the 40s, and then yesterday it was 91. I know. know. So. <laughs> Only in Chicago. Uh, that is the truth. That is the truth. So yeah. Hey, so I've got us down for talking about what's your why today, and it's not just money, right? No, it's not just money. Uh, it, it's interesting. So many, I've been working with so many different, you know, different companies, uh, you know, small businesses, franchisees, large companies, you know, really talking about the, you know, how can they attract people? How can they keep people? It's just, yep. it's in their mind. And, you know, it doesn't help when, when the news is all about the great resignation, right? It's all out there. And oh, so yeah. I think it's caused a lot of stress for people over the yeah. past year. Absolutely. I think for employers and employees. And, you know, I go on Reddit every now and then, you know, my spare time. And um, for some reason, somehow I stumbled on the anti-work, I'll call it chapter. (laughs) Anti-work. Oh, my gosh. And the stuff that I read on there, it's just, I, I think to myself, oh, my gosh, if this is really what we have out there, it is no wonder we are in trouble because there are a lot of angry people at their employers. And that's pretty much the entire site is people who are really upset. And they're not just upset about their pay to our point today. Right. They're upset about leadership, management, the way they're being treated, the way they're talked to, um, people not leading by example. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting. I do, um, one of the things that I do, they do a lot of research because I always like to have some research that backs up some of the things that I'm talking about, mm-hmm. you know, and talking with people, you kind of get a feel for it. But it's like, okay, let's see what the research is saying. Right. And I uh, came upon some research this past couple of weeks that was done kind of throughout the year last year, and it was, it was MIT. And MIT researched a large number of companies 
And um, I think, gosh, I forget how many companies, but it was a, it was a pretty fair number. And it was across all industries. Uh-huh. And they were really trying to understand basically kind of what was, what was driving the great resignation. Because a lot of like, you know, again, a lot of people will say, you know, well, my people tell me it's pay. They went for better pay, better pay. It's always about comp, right? right. And we all need to make a good living, obviously. And we need uh-huh. to have that, that fair comp. Right. And at the same time, what this research showed and what many of us know, there are some things that are way more important than, than, than the comp. Yes. It's why, it's why people are leaving. So, yep. you know, and you mentioned Reddit and you mentioned yeah. that, you know, all the chatter out there. I yeah. mean, the number, the number one reason why people leave their companies, it's a toxic, toxic work environment, toxic culture. And what kinds of things do you see and hear that they consider to be um, most concerning in terms of toxicity? Yeah, you know, it's interesting, you know, the, some of the ones that you'd say, okay, yes, you know, it's the, it's the, you know, because right now a lot of people are talking about, you know, diversity, right, Mm -hmm. you know, diversity, equity, making sure you have diverse people, and and not just having them, but including, being included. Okay. I think, and that, you know, that goes for all of us, if you think about it, right? It's about, we all want to feel included and connected, Mm -hmm. so that's, that's a key thing. Where, where a lot of a lot of people are saying, I just feel like I'm connected. In the past two years, I think many people have felt like they haven't been connected because of COVID. Yeah. Right? Because they were coming out of COVID last year. They're like, okay, enough. Enough is enough. So right. I think that. And then there's also, so it's, it's not being treated fairly. Mm-hmm. And there's some things that I found really, really interesting that it's even like favoritism. Uh-huh. You know, it's yeah, it's it's like you know within within certain you know small businesses franchises where maybe there are some favorite favorite employees, uh-huh. right? And so you know the, the nepotism. Oh, it's it's you're the son of someone. Yes. We're like you know wait a minute, I'm getting tired of this here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and, that's interesting because you know I've kept uh, and it's, I'm just very proud of having my same employees for so long. But every now and then I'll get somebody who says, oh well, this this girl says that you know go ahead and tell Kristen because she likes me and I'll never get in trouble and so then I'm always like okay now I really have to talk to her because you can't say that you never get in trouble because everybody is treated fairly and everybody has to be held accountable and I think that's just so important that as soon as you hear people mumbling that oh so-and-so is a favorite or so-and-so gets away with something you have to make sure that you call a time out and make sure that you get to the root of those things right away before they continue to grow and become a part of your culture. Absolutely. Stop it right away. Right. You know, it's interesting because, I mean, I find myself, I don't know if you do, but there are people you connect with. Yeah. That's going to happen. But Mm -hmm. it's making sure that other people don't feel as if those people are, you know, that you're going to them. They're, if you call it like your inner circle. Yeah. How many times have you felt like you were on the outside of that inner circle in a work Uh situation? And then it makes you begin to doubt. And that's where the inclusion piece really, I think, really comes in. Yeah. So that's, that's a lot of it, right? And it's even being treated with respect. Yeah. Lack of respect now, to me, that I think leaders are showing, and even employees are showing leaders, too, that's out there, it's, it's, I think it's an alarming level. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's interesting as, um, as a business owner, our pictures are doing something crazy right now, a little distracted. <laughs> um, I'm like, help, help. Um, for me to watch my managers grow 
to the business and to be able to say, okay, now let me show you or let me tell you what I see or let me tell you what I've heard. And, and you know, she will say, but that's not, that's not the reality. And right. I have to say, I understand that may not be the reality, but that's the impression that's being given. So let me give you some tips on how maybe we can change that up a bit so that it's not the impression, right? Yeah. And, and to your point, and a lot of times it's misconstrued because somebody brings in, you know, candy or flowers or something, and they get there early every day. And so it's perceived that they're there having some private time with the boss. Exactly. And preferred schedules. And that's not necessarily what's happening, but the perception becomes reality. Absolutely. So that's, and that's, that's where a lot of people just felt like that they were not, I think that they, they weren't, um, you know, part of it, part of, part of the, part of the group, part of yeah. the, part of the organization. And again, how I think, how do we fix it? Well, there are several things that, that, where you can fix it. And one, one is communication, right? You just talked about it where it's, it's actually communicating. And when, and when someone mentions something, making sure that you address it and not blow it off, mm-hmm. make sure they listening to people and trying to adapt. I think that's, that's a real key. Um, I also think as far as the inclusion, you know, including people, even things like um, having having some gatherings, you know, doing something socially, getting people to connect in, having yeah. them, you know, right, having them uh, feel like they, they belong and so trying to figure out how you can make everyone included. Yeah. Um, another another one is, and you, you, you talked a little bit about this, it's having fair, you know, the, there are people that are the high performers and the high performers get really ticked off when they see the non-performers or the underperformers, not, not only not getting in trouble, but they're sometimes rewarded for things. Yeah. And so there's a fairness there. So I think it's also making sure we as leaders understand that, making sure that we really recognize those high performers and giving them the recognition uh-huh. and making sure we're making that more individualized to them but also taking a look at the, the underperformers and finding ways of how we can, we can either help them move up or possibly yeah. move out. Excellent. And always, just even in small business, I think we talked about this not too long ago, too, as much as I, I am super guilty of it, and I know how important it is, and it's just a, a pure issue of time. Performance reviews and making sure that you're meeting regularly about their performance is super, super important to them. Whether they're a low performer that you need to coach and develop or a high performer that needs that feedback so that they're engaged to stay. Yeah, because so many times I think as leaders, we tend to focus our time on the low performers or mid performers and say, oh, those high performers, you just keep giving them more work. Yeah. Where we're really, you know, if you think about it, we should be spending as much time with those high performers right? And really working with them. And then another thing that, that research shows is even giving them, even though they might not want a promotion, possibly in lateral moves, right? Yeah. Or, or having, giving them more responsibility. So where they, mm-hmm. again, they're feeling like as if they're, they're part of it, they're being rewarded. Some might not want the, want the reward, by the way, <laughs> for the extra responsibility. <laughs> but, but trying to find out, here's more work. For <laughs> <laughs> me, trying to find ways where it could be maybe even a different job. Right. Right? I mean, that even so where they're like, no, I'm kind of burned out here. So it's, but it's just working with each person individually with that. That's awesome. Well, Karen, thank you so much. I love when you find stuff like that and you share with me so I can feel like I'm engaged in our discussions. And it's really, you know, I often say as 
small business owners, sometimes we just don't stop and take time to read and really absorb what is going on out there. We're, we're kind of caught up in our own world. And if you think about us being, you know, some of the largest sources of employment, small business needs to stay on top of these topics too, not just big business. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're Thank all you feeling so it. Thank you. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Sounds good. Thanks. More bills to pay. As usual, thank you for joining Pillars of Franchising. We appreciate every single one of you. Um, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Titus Center for Franchising at Palm Beach Atlantic University. You can find them on the college's website. Also, Franchise Show 247, which can be found at franchiseshow247.com. And we couldn't do it without our sponsors, and we appreciate their support. Don't forget, we love to have calling guests. Our number to call in is 323-580-5755. That is 323-580-5755. If you have questions for our guests or for any of our Million Dollar Mentors, we welcome you to call in at any time on the show. We will do our very best to answer your calls. Stay tuned. More coming up. Hi, Ray. Hold on, Elizabeth. I don't know what I, but I, what did I do to Ray? He's Come muted. On, Ray. He's muted. Yeah, yeah. All right. Hi, David. <laughs> I, knew, I knew you were muted. I just enjoyed watching you scramble to try to unmute. What, what's weird is I have two very big screens on my desk, right? Where's the cursor? <laughs> right. Exactly. It could be anywhere. Anywhere. Where, where you weren't looking, right? That's where yeah. the cursor was. Anyway. Hey, David, I have a crick in my neck, and I'm going to be in Kalamazoo. Can I come out yeah. and get that fixed? Not yet. <laughs> Not yet at all. So I, I don't know what it is when, I, when we start a new company or start with a new company that the first location for me always has to be the most challenging story out of anyone else that I've heard. So in the, in the words of my area manager, Dave, this is unprecedented. This has never happened to anybody else. I'm like, well, you have 700 and some locations. Someone has to have the worst, right? Or worst start. So bring everybody up to speed. Those have been following along. Um, it's, been, it's been quite the journey. So, you know, following up on what, what Karen and Kristen were just talking about on the hiring piece, my initial hiring of, of the core people that I, I needed to hire, we hired, we found some fantastic people. And Truthfully, the reason we found those fantastic people is because everything interview session in our pre-interview paperwork and packet that we gave them was centered around our mission, our values, our purpose, and our culture. So they knew what they were stepping into, and there was very, very, very many of them that pointed right at the piece of paper and said, this is what I'm interested in, and it was the purpose of the business. So the purpose of what we're going to accomplish in the community, those types of things. So to follow up on what Karen and Kristen were talking about, that's absolutely, absolutely critical in your hiring process. Um, and if you hire them, then you better treat them well and train them well, as Karen talked about. So as far as where I'm at now, ironically, I say that, and the reason we're not open yet is we still need to hire one more chiropractor. And we've had a lot of really, really, really good candidates from scattered throughout the country, and each one of them had a reason where the timing wasn't just right to relocate or, or those types of things. So 
we're sitting there, we're ready. I have a full staff that because I preach integrity in our in our in our culture and our values, I'm paying them, right? And and they're getting paid their full time wages, even though they're really not able to do anything or even working yet. But I think it's important that um, you exemplify that right from the beginning to say, hey, if this is what I said, and we thought we were going to open up a few weeks ago. The one young girl quit her job. We're all excited. Well, I can't let her go without an income. So we, we have to figure that out. So the point being is, has it been a struggle? It's been, it's been a struggle, but I think it's one of those things. Well, Dave talks about grit and perseverance all the time. So let's go see if he's going to live up to it. Right? So that's what, that's what this is all about. And just today, um, our sign finally got put on the building. So all of the structural construction, the other stuff we're waiting on, it finally finished today. So keep in mind, those of you that were listening, remember, if you're thinking about opening a business, I started looking for one February a year ago. We signed an agreement in October. We're still not open, but even though the build-out just finished, so to speak, we put its finishing touchdown, we were hoping to open March 1st. Now we're into May chances are we're not going to open up till june we do have an interview coming up this week so fingers crossed everybody send me some good vibes right but then we're still a couple of weeks away training and marketing and those types of things so let's say we open up middle of june i've been paying rent since since february oh wow so yeah your your expenses are just outrageous it's a good thing you're an experienced entrepreneur otherwise the first timer would be pulling their well Let's put it this way. Their hair would look like Fred. <laughs> well, but here's the thing, though. It's, it's ironic you brought that up because I was talking to your manager and, and I was talking to some other people about this. And they said the exact same thing. And I said they, they were they were thanking me for my professionalism and for being calm. And I said, I said, hey, look, I appreciate that. But if this was me 30 years ago when I opened the first one, this was happening. I'd be losing my mind right now. And I'd be screaming at people, wondering what's going on. But as the years have gone on, there's so much out of your control. You just have to stay centered on what you can control, but be capitalized. Expect, you know, hope for the best, but but expect the worst. I mean, you know, I built in a large amount of working capital because of my experience, because of, I said, what if? Yeah. And, and what if showed up? So mm-hmm. luckily... Luckily, I was prepared for it. Doesn't make me happy about it. I'm anxious, right? I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated. I want to get going, but there's a reason why we bought it and 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 invest in the in the in the franchise because we know it's going to be successful. So, if you get caught up that you're so, you know, um, unhappy or or so angry at because you missed a certain date or you're spending a little bit extra money, stay focused on the big picture. It will open. We will find the right people, and and your job is to run it really well. My job is to continue to run it extremely well at a very high level. So I have to stay focused on that, and um, and the rest of the rest will fall into place. But so for the update, grit and perseverance. I mean, you know, I've had to make some adjustments. Um, I've you know on marketing pieces and certain things, and and, and massage some things. I, again, I'm, I've had to pay rent, and I'm paying. Um, the employees that we did hire um, while they're kind of being idle, but I'm using them in whatever way we can, but that's all part of it. And you have to be prepared for what if, what if 
it, you know, what if that range of investment, you know, as Jaya was saying, was like 185 to three something. What if it goes to 350? Mm -hmm. You know, what what if? I, you know, can you handle? Take a worst case scenario, prepare yourself. If 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 not, then then big deal. Then you didn't have to spend the money. Use it for your next location, right? Mm -hmm. But but prepare, but prepare, and 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 persevere through it. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, there's times we had this one guy, truthfully perfect fit as a chiropractor. We're already going, we're going to open this thing. And he didn't have one of the skill or the technique that the joint requires. Past everything else would have been an absolute home run. Didn't quite have it. So it wasn't a fit. Mm. So I think it's just one of those things. We're in a location that maybe we don't have an abundance of availability. Um, our next location, we already have people that want to apply because we did. We are in the process of negotiating a lease for the second location, another city, different city. And we have several people that are willing to do that already. I said, well, first yeah. we have to even sign a lease. <laughs> but this particular place, this is my challenge. And yeah. if you're an entrepreneur, you're going to be challenged. This is my yeah. challenge right now. And, and these firsthand lessons are, are excellent for our audience to understand that, you know, there's, there are times when these things are going to happen. And, yeah. you know, you, you can't lose the business so to speak just because you didn't prepare and and, and have the uh wherewithal to wait it out for, for the proper uh, employees no look because this because i've been through this before again again those of you know my background buffalo wild wings 28 years the original franchisee of the concept so when jai is talking about you know the emerging brand and we don't you know and and, and nobody should be afraid of just because there's one or two locations because it's a business doesn't matter. But if you believe in the business, it doesn't matter that there's only one or two. If you opened your own, you'd be the only one. So I've, I've never understood that. I've never understood that mindset, but we were supposed to open that first one in April. We quit our jobs, April, no income now, different, even at worst scenario, we didn't open till the middle of July. We were out of money mm -hmm. in that first time, but 28 years later, we were still standing and and when we sold it everything worked out well so my point being is the business we believed in the business when we started that's what carried us a little bit more capitalized now but that time we went down to basically below zero we hardly had any working capital and just persevered through it so it's right. happened before but that's when i was a novice and yes i was angry i was mad at the construction company Every i'm like what is going on i'm out of money we got to go so this time i made sure that piece was taken care of and I prepared for another delay. Now I didn't want it, but mm -hmm. be that that initial experience is what made this one, you know, easier for me to handle. Oh, definitely. You, you, said, you said something about uh, believing in the business. You also have to believe in yourself. That too, absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely. Which mm -hmm. I, that's easy for me. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll always bet on myself. I could do it. I could do it. What the heck? I could do it. And that's, and that's part of the attitude of an entrepreneur. You have to be able to say yes. You have to say, I, I, I can do this. I can keep looking at the things that I need to do to be successful. A lot of people, which don't become entrepreneurs or franchisees, are the ones that always find a way to say no to something. It's too hard. It's too much of an obstacle. They say no. Persevere through it. It's going to take grit. It's going to take some sleepless nights. Uh, make sure you're capitalized up front. But, but again, my situation's unique to, to this brand right now. Yeah. Most, I mean, some people have had some delays from what I've heard. 
But I think it's one of those things, once you start, you get some momentum and then that area becomes more well-known and everyone gets easier after that. But if I was to throw in the towel now, even attitude-wise, there's no way that business will succeed. You have to stay focused on the success and the reason why you bought it. Yep, excellent. David, thank you so much. We appreciate it. And we're, you got we're, it. We're all, we're all rooting for you. I hope you find the right <laughs> Well, the next time I come on, we're going to be open. I'm going to tell you right now. Ray? Thanks a lot, Ray. You pick on my hair. Just remember this. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Denham, the Chief Content Officer for Pillars of Franchising. And I'm telling you that... um, because I am always looking for people with a great story in the franchising space. If you have a great story that you would like to share either in the magazine or on the show, you can fill out our contact form on pillarsoffranchising.com. Also, while you're there, be sure to subscribe to the magazine. Um, You can choose all of the services that you might be interested in. If you're looking to buy a franchise, sell a franchise, become a franchise, if you need mentorship, and if you need to get the word out about your business, we have a lot of a variety of sponsorships for you. So be sure to visit our website, like, subscribe, and share this show. And we appreciate every comment and every engagement that you offer. Um, so be sure to visit our website at pillarsoffranchising.com. For joining us on our show today with our guest, Jaya Iyer. Please be sure to like, share, and comment on this episode. And thank you to Ray Pillar, David Kajanik, and Jerry Akers, our Million Dollar Mentors, for their insight and wisdom. Jerry, we're going to get you extra next week for missing today. And thanks to Karen Kinsey Ford of Dale Carnegie, Laura Liss, our franchise attorney from Fran Law, Elizabeth Denham, and Fred McMurray, our producers. I'm Kristen Shelmessy, your fourth Million Dollar Mentor. And together, we are your resource for franchising success. And this has been Pillars of Franchising, and the dream starts.